Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. As the team inches closer and closer to the postseason, Nick and I are giving you a little taste of what the Thunder's first round of the playoffs could look like. Plus, we're talking about which Thunder player has been cleaning up both on and off the floor. It's all right here in today's Thunder Basketball Universe. Gallo, I don't know if you've caught your breath yet, but we are in full force into Thunder basketball. The team is now six games into their eight-game regular season, abbreviated regular season, and they are currently three and three. We were recording this on Tuesday, August 11th. The team just lost in their second game of their one and only back-to-back against the Phoenix Suns, but we've seen a lot of different looks from this Thunder team over their six games playing without some key players here and there. Nick, what have you seen from this team in these first six games? Well, a lot of stop and start, Paris, and I think that's kind of what we were expecting. Billy Donovan kind of primed everybody with that, saying there's going to be some clunky basketball. And we've kind of seen it across the board, too. You know, I mean, the, the Los Angeles Lakers have not been perfect down there in the bubble and um, some of these other teams that came in on hot streaks you know that were some of the best teams in the league uh, have not been excellent and then a team like Phoenix who everybody thought was there just to kind of hang out and um, you know help help fill in some of these games they're six and oh so you know things have just been a little bit all over the map down in the bubble and I think the Thunder has been a perfect example they've been win loss win loss win loss Yep, and we'll start with that Lakers game. Just a little bit of a recap. The Thunder won big time against the Lakers, just an explosive win for that team, and then turned around and played the Memphis Grizzlies, who's holding on to that eighth spot. And the Thunder got out to a really hot start and then fell flat for the remaining three quarters and lost in that game against Memphis. And then in that back-to-back, played the win- winless Wizards in, in the first game of the back-to-back, won that game, and then turned around and faced the undefeated Suns and lost. So a, like you said, Nick, a little bit of a herky-jerky start here for the Thunder, but really good for some of these role players on the Thunder roster to get an opportunity to have some of those in-game minutes and maybe see a little bit of translation from what they're seeing on film and in practice and put it into practice, into game not practice <laughs> into actual <laughs> into game the actual play. Action. Yeah. <laughs> that idiot yeah. didn't work there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's exactly what Chris Paul talked about after the game actually against the Suns was, hey, there are these times where I'm able to go over to Darius Baisley or I'm able to go over to some of these young guys and we're able to talk about how the things really translate onto the floor in game situations that we discuss in practice. It's so much different when you're sitting there at, in film study and taking a look at certain action or play. And then when you're having to actually deal with it on the court, it's completely different. So uh, I I would say the Memphis game, the Wizards game, the Suns game, those were all similar to me just in terms of the opportunities that were presented to the Thunder. And I think the the main difference was, as Billy Donovan would say, there was a little bit of fool's gold for the Thunder in the Mm -hmm. first quarter of the, the Memphis game and the Suns game, both of which were losses that OKC got a little bit ahead of themselves thinking that kind of that offensive gravy train was going to keep rolling. That's a really good way to put it. Uh, But it, it really does speak to the point where 
the Thunder's locked into a playoff position, right? Like they are guaranteed to be playing in the postseason. And so this time, these eight seeding games, they have got to be able to get that rhythm back going in terms of their identity on both offense and defense. So kind of taking their incredible three-point shooting percentage in that first quarter against the Wizards with a little bit of a grain of salt, knowing that that's great for the Thunder, but that's not what they want to rely on going into this postseason, especially against some of the teams that they could face which could be several teams right now with the landscape of this western conference two through seven there's a lot of movement that could happen here yeah there's still a lot of basketball to be played even though the thunder only has two games left there's just so much mixing and matching that can still occur and in some ways unfortunately there's been a lot of mixing and matching that the thunder has had to do as well so you take the benefit of getting a lot of these young guys minutes Billy Donovan has stressed that they're going to need all 16 guys that they brought down there to the bubble because you never know what might happen. Well, that proved prophetic because Dennis Schroeder's been gone to be with his family. Steven Adams, Nerlens Noel, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis-Alexander all missed the game against Phoenix. So on one hand, you're getting some of the guys that you may need to rely on later in playoff series. You're getting them some reps in, in real games, but you're also missing out on being able to build some of that cohesion and chemistry that's really going to be vital once you get into the playoffs that these guys have that rhythm and timing back you're you're kind of missing a little bit of that the good news though is that a lot of the teams inside of Orlando are dealing with that exact same thing we have seen situations where you know teams are sitting some of their starters in in games where you would normally see a full force lineup going head to head and you're just dealing with some some significant variables inside of Orlando that you wouldn't have even had to consider outside of it. I mean, no home court advantage that obviously plays a difference, but then you have healthy players or not healthy players or resting players after four months off and finally getting their feet back under them. You're you're likely to see a lot of different lineups, even with only two or three games left in this regular season. So even though the Thunder still has two games left remaining in their eight-game seeding schedule, like we mentioned, there is a lot that could happen in this Western Conference for who the Thunder could face potentially in the first round of the playoffs. Nick, I know you've been kind of crunching the numbers here. What are some of these scenarios we're working with? Yeah, so the Thunder can still finish anywhere between fourth and actually seventh because Dallas has played three more games than everybody else down there in the bubble. Um, so if the Thunder goes 2-0, and uh, they and, and Houston goes 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh OKC can jump up to fourth. OKC can also jump up to fourth if they go 1-1 one and one and Houston goes 0-3. Oh the, the good thing for the Thunder is they've got the tiebreaker over both Houston and Utah, so mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of in the driver's seat there. The other option is that the Thunder is fifth if, if Houston goes one and two or better. And then uh, OKC really is in the driver's seat with Utah. Uh, the only way that they don't make it to the, the, the fifth spot is if OKC goes 0-2 and, and Utah goes 0-1. So it's going to be really critical for the Thunder to get one of these two victories down there in, uh, in Orlando. Moral of the story here is that it is pure chaos and there's there's really not a lot of sense right now in, in trying to formulate what could potentially happen at the end of these regular season games. So that really puts an emphasis for what Coach Donovan talks about all the time and that's just controlling what you can control. And for the Thunder, that means taking care of these next two games ahead of them, which are two really tough opponents in Miami and the Clippers. Starting with Miami on Wednesday, that game is at 7 p.m., 
one of the more normal tip-off times for the Thunder during this restart. But that's going to be a tough game for the Thunder, especially coming off of a tough loss to Phoenix. Yeah, the Heat are one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They kind of put a hurting on the Thunder in their one meeting this season uh, in OKC. The Thunder was supposed to go down to Miami in March uh, to play them for a rematch. Uh, this is a team that's going to play some zone defense. They're really prolific uh, on that end of the floor and present a lot of different challenges. Their length, their size, their ability to really do a, a wonderful job using their big men as playmakers on offense, that's a huge deal as well. They've got the rookie of the year contender in Kendrick Nunn. They've got the most improved player of the year contender in Bam Adebayo. That'll definitely be a matchup where the Thunder will look to really get that, like we talked about, that identity going on, on everybody playing together and in that defensive identity executing really well to contain the Miami Heat. Then the Thunder turn around and play the number two team in the West right now in the Los Angeles Clippers. We actually have a tip-off time for this game. <laughs> it has been TBD for two weeks now, and that game will actually be at 5.30 p.m. Central time. So, Nick, what is this team going to need to do against the Clippers in order to pull out a win? Uh, defend with pride. Uh, defend from all five spots on the floor. Basically, you know, you're going to have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George potentially in that matchup. You know, there's a chance that the, the Clippers are locked into the second spot at that point, uh, but they could still be fighting for positioning second or third. So who knows what could be happening there, but you've got to prepare like you're going to face those two guys that, you know, were MVP candidates um, last season and uh, have really played some of their best basketball over the last couple of years of their career. Kawhi, obviously a, uh, you know, an incredible player who helped, guide the Raptors to a title. So, um, and we all know what Paul George can do on both ends of the floor. So uh, that is going to be an absolute battle. I, I tell you what, Paris, having these two teams, Miami and the Clippers as your last two to try to solidify playoff positioning. Uh, I, I do not envy the, the job that the coaching staff has right now to try to game plan for that and the players for having to go out there and, and actually execute. Absolutely. And the good news here is that the, the Clippers have had a little bit of a clunky start, just like the, the Thunder have. I mean, they are three and three currently right now, as well, and they've got a tough matchup ahead of them as well. They play Denver, and then, of course, they play the Thunder, who we all know can be very problematic for opposing teams. So that should actually be a really fun game to watch and a nice wrap up to this eight game regular season for the Thunder. Here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing, and we have talked about it uh, uh, quite a bit here in this podcast, but the Thunder have had an opportunity to showcase some of its young talent throughout this hiatus without players in the lineups like Steven Adams, Nerlens Noel, Dennis Schroeder, even Danilo and Shea in this last game. The Thunder have had an opportunity to put their young players in a lot of meaningful minutes in games, and they've really showed up, specifically Hamadou Diallo, Darius Baisley, Abdul Nader, all coming up big for the Thunder recently. Yeah, uh, Hami has been sensational, just kind of doing those hustle play things that he does. He's been hanging out on the baseline in the dunker spot. He has had some ferocious jams, Paris. Oh my goodness. I I just want to know what goes through his head whenever he's going up for these dunks, and how different it might be, because normally he's dunking in front of 18,000 fans who all know that he's a dunk champion, and now he's in front of some virtual fans. I wonder if that makes, <laughs> it, makes it a little different. I don't know. Yeah, and Dennis Schroeder was one of those virtual fans uh, earlier last week, so that was cool that uh, he got to 
watch his uh, young bucks, you know, go get out there and do their thing on the floor. Uh, where Hami's really been most impressive, though, is with the rebounding, Paris. I mean, this is a team in the Thunder that over the last few games has played without Steven Adams, without Nerlens Noel, without Danilo Gallinari at, at one point. So to have a guy like Hami, who at his size, about six foot five, get in there and rack up six, seven rebounds in a game, that is massive. Um, and most of them have come on the defensive end of the floor where he's just rising up and ripping the ball away from other people. Uh, and, and that's just essential for the Thunder team. Just a reminder for our listeners, Hami was a guy who only played in 38 games for the Thunder before the hiatus. He had some nagging injuries that kind of kept him sidelined. And one of the main things for him coming into this restart was confidence. I mean, that it was really purely a mental aspect of his game. And obviously he worked on that by, you know, working on his shot and building up some muscle. But you're starting to see that confidence play out on the floor. He is just making some great decisions when he puts the ball on the floor and looks a little little more sure of himself when he's going up to do a you know a tomahawk slam (laughs) another guy who's just light years ahead of where he was about three or well four or five months ago I should say is Darius Baisley back-to-back 20-point games first time a rookie has done that for the Thunder since 2009 set a career high with 23 points uh, against Washington followed that up with a double double uh, 22 points and 10 rebounds against Phoenix so uh, really impressive stuff from from Bays and he's just He's shown the the breadth of his game. Just getting and getting an opportunity to show it off, right? Like this NBA restart is really giving him a chance to. He, he called himself a spork on our podcast, and he is really flexing that muscle. Obviously, without Stephen Adams, Nerlens Noel, he's gotten some opportunities at the five spot. So we'll talk about him a little later in the podcast. But he has act, absolutely shown tremendous strides in Orlando. He can finish with the left hand on the jumpers, like, you know, like the, the, the fork part. And then like the spoon, you know, he's got the righty layup finishes as well. So he can do a little bit of everything. It is now time for Made You Look. And what made Nick and I look was against the Suns on Monday. Obviously, the Thunder was without five of its key rotation players, including three starters, which ignited a little bit of a conversation between coach Donovan and Chris Paul as to whether or not he wanted to play. And Chris Paul's answer was, I'm going to play. I love to hoop. And it, it, it was a really cool look into, inside of the competitive spirit of Chris Paul. I mean, we've heard so much about it and we've kind of seen it here and there, but whenever you're without two of your fellow point guards, that, that was a conversation that happened. And Chris Paul, you, you can't keep him off the floor. That just speaks to his character, his desire to win desire to play, desire to compete. I mean, some of that is more valuable than what even shows up on the stat sheet. The message that he delivered to his young teammates was, I'm in the trenches with you guys, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you see him. I mean, he, he operates like a CEO out there. He is meeting with every department. He goes and talks to the coaches for a little bit at timeouts. He goes and talks to the forwards. Then he talks to the centers. Then he talks to the guards. It's, you know, he's like, he's, he's going to marketing, he's going to sales, he's going, <laughs> he's going to accounting, you know, he's like making sure that everybody is covered and that he can help them, you know, in, do whatever they need him to do. CP3, the CEO. Uh, yeah, I, the I OKC think Thunder. <laughs> I, I would be shocked if we don't see CP3 as a CEO of something down the line once his I mean, playing days he, are over. 
that it explains his just the presidential air that he carries about himself. I mean, that's just who he is as a person. And like you mentioned, it's it would be really easy to kind of disengage, you know, without your starting point guard alongside with you, without Dennis Schroeder on the bench, without Danilo on the floor with you, and your team is losing in the this, you know, second half of the Phoenix game by double digits, it'd be really easy to just check out in my 13th year, you know, I'm just going to take this one and move on. No, no, no. He was as engaged as ever in Coach Donovan's ear, in the young player's ear, just taking this opportunity to teach the young guys as they get opportunities in positions that they had never had before without two point guards on the floor. We saw some, some different lineups for the Thunder out on the floor. Yeah, there's a reason why Chris Paul was the valedictorian of his high school. And I think we're we're still seeing just shades of that attitude, that commitment, um, that personality type still today. We've now come to that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline. And Darius Baisley, the rookie 20-year-old, blessed all of our timelines on the Thunder social media accounts with a video of him mopping the floor with the same gusto that the the Wimbledon ball boys go and chase the balls after after each each volley of the tennis match that was just a, a microcosm of what Darius has been doing inside of Orlando he does it all doing all the dirty work, you know, getting in there, scrapping for rebounds, scrubbing the floor, wiping it up with the towel, taking the broom and, you know, getting the dust off of that. So yeah, uh, Darius, he's, we know he's the life of the party. Uh, I didn't realize that he cleaned up after the party too. Just actually always having fun and making the most of every situation. That's something that he's told us is he likes to make the most of every situation. So, you know, mopping up the floor, he's going to have a good time with it. And, you know, getting in the game and being able to play the five spot and he's going to make the most out of it. And we're seeing that with consecutive 20 point games and double doubles for Darius Baisley. Just a great showing for the young guy in Orlando. The other cool thing is just, this is more of like maybe a meta thing that maybe Darius doesn't even realize he's doing, but, you know, the, the Thunder fans are only connected to the team right now through what's happening on the court and, you know, what's happening on social media that, that our team is able to capture down there. And so through his crazy fishing video, through some of these other things, playing cornhole with Chris, mopping, I mean, this is the Thunder's way of talking to the fans in some sense. And, and so I think that's really cool that Darius as a 20 year old, I think he kind of gets that maybe more mm-hmm. than, than most would that this is a chance to let the Thunder fans all around the world uh, know how much these guys love each other and how much fun they have. I I definitely know that if I want to see what like the team is up to, Darius is the first Instagram account that I'll go to to go check out. that's all for today's podcast thank you so much for listening be sure to like rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast thank you so much to our producers and until next time thunder up and catch you later okay he's cleaning up That's an NBA Jam reference, and I recognize that one. Yeah, there you go. Nice. He's heating up. Okay.